Hello and welcome to Inside Maine. This is Angus King, and we're talking today about part of the American Rescue Plan that passed in January, an important part that hasn't gotten much attention, and that is support to uh, local communities. There was money for the states, which had happened before, but this time around there was specific money set aside for communities, for towns, for counties, and uh, that's what we want to talk about today, uh, and I'm going to begin the conversation uh, with my friend John Tester, senator from Montana, a state not unlike Maine, with a couple of urban areas, but a lot of wide open spaces. John Tester, thanks for joining us, and uh, you think this money's going to be useful in those towns in Montana? Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be with you, Angus, as always, um, and Maine is lucky to have such a fine senator as you, and I mean that in all seriousness. Um, look, uh, we saw uh, an economic turndown that was uh, reminiscent, I'm told, of the 1930s. Um, not that I was around then, uh, and not that I would imply that you were. But uh, I would also say that, that that downturn resulted in a lot of uh, economic uh, difficulty, resulting in less tax uh, coming into cities and towns and counties. Um, and to put this in perspective for folks, I mean, these guys weren't exactly flush with dollars before the pandemic. So when we talk about making sure that we have, um, you know, law enforcement and firefighters and making sure the garbage gets picked up and that kind of stuff, if they don't have money, those basic critical services don't get done. And uh, and now with these dollars, they'll be able to continue that and, and make sure the streets are safe and make sure that things are taken care of the way people expect them to be. Well, and, and the other side of that coin is not only did the revenues decline, but expenditures went up. They had to pick up, you know, everything from PPE for first responders to dealing with all kinds of school issues and public, as you mentioned, the sort of public support during this. So you had a sort of double whammy on the on the communities of declining revenues, increasing expenditures, and of course, uh, dare I say it, unlike us, they can't print money. No. Uh, and so they had to make their budgets balance. So this uh, this money, uh, and I'm going to be talking in a few minutes to a, a city manager in Maine about what it's meant to them, but, and that was one, this was one of the sticking points in the negotiations, and uh, we, we finally did get it, uh, did get it through, but uh, some of our friends said, although they don't really need it, and my response to that was, hey, you're the guys that are defunding the police because uh, that's what this money's going for. That's exactly right. And, and, and the point is, is that if the counties or the cities don't need this money, they, they, have, they can send it back. I mean, that's, that's not a problem. Uh, the federal government would take it back in a heartbeat. But the truth <laughs> is, Angus, is that, that uh, there may be some that are flush. I don't know where they would be. They're certainly not in Montana, and I doubt they're in Maine. Uh, and these dollars are just critically important. Otherwise, it it puts them in a bind. And, and by the way, it's not something that you can just snap out of overnight. Uh, if they wouldn't have got these dollars, I think they would have been in trouble for probably the next decade. And And the other thing is that in some cases, this money will allow the communities to do some one-time expenditures that uh, that need doing, uh, some infrastructure work and 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 work that, that they ha haven't been able to afford, they haven't been able to take care of, that will uh, be helping their their taxpayers for uh, for years to come. Uh, are, how are you doing in Montana? Are you guys uh, pretty? How are you doing on vaccinations and and opening up the the economy? 
Well, I mean, I, the vaccinations could always be better. Uh, I mean, I'll give kudos to the folks in Montana who have gotten them, and, and there is some vaccine hesitancy. But, but we continue to move forward and get more and more vaccines into people's arms, which I think is really important. I think not unlike Maine, one of the things that we would like to see opened up in Montana is the border with Canada. And I oh. think the more, the more we get vaccines into people's arms, in Montana, the more we can make the case to Canada that, hey, it's safe to reopen that border. So that's number one. And then number two, um, we've got uh, the businesses are snapping back uh, pretty well, some better than others. I can tell you that, um, you know, as I went through the airports and I fly out of Great Falls, Montana, into Minneapolis, and then back here to Washington, D.C., the airports are pretty doggone full with the ones I was in and uh, and the planes were absolutely full both out of Montana and then back here on the flight from many so we're starting to see business folks starting to travel again which is a, which is a which is a good sign uh, but but I will also tell you after what the bars and restaurants and hotels and motels have been through for the last 15 months uh, not unlike the cities and towns, uh, it, 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 they're going to they're going to continue to need some attention moving forward. Um, you know, things like uh, uh, concert, uh, and which might not seem like a big thing, but they're a big ticket item. Uh, you know, these these venues that put on concerts, I'm not sure they're going to fully snap back till probably next year at some point, moment in time. So, bottom line is this, Angus: we've got some businesses that are doing fine; they're almost back to normal, if not back to normal. We got other businesses, um, some in manufacturing, some some folks that are retail outlets that uh, aren't quite there yet. Uh, but we're moving in the right direction, and we're and we're hopeful that this summer things will move move even quicker towards full reopening. Well, the other the other similarity between our state is a lot of dependence on summer visitors. I've uh, fished the Madison River, and I know what it's how, how beautiful your state is. In fact. You know, your I think your state's motto is the Big Sky Country, and I never knew what that meant until I went out there. It's uh, it's uh, it, it's pretty amazing uh, place, and and we have a very uh, huge number of, of summer visitors. I think we're going to have a big summer uh, from everything I've heard from our hospitality people. Uh, advanced bookings look uh, look very strong. I think the American people <laughs> they just want to get out, and Montana and Maine are two great places to visit. There is definitely some pent-up demand there, and folks are tired of sitting around their house and getting out in the great outdoors, I think is good for the soul, uh, and, it's, and it's just good. And, and I will say this, and I told you this, Angus, but I'll tell your listeners, I've been just about to every state in the Union, and the state that reminds me most of, of home, of Montana, is Maine. I think you've got a marvelous state. And I plan on coming this summer and visiting Maine, and I invite all your listeners to come to Montana and visit Montana. Well, you're certainly going to be welcome up here, and I'll help give you, uh, I'll set up your, your tour itinerary, and, and uh, that's, that's a great idea. Uh, so maybe I'll take you striper fishing, John, and uh, we'll, we'll show you a little bit of special, the special parts of the Maine coast. Listen, uh, this is this is a great discussion, and and I, uh, uh, you know, I, I hope and pray that this is the that we're going to see the end of this. We don't see some kind of relapse, but we've got to. You got to remember, this whole thing started with one or two people, uh, and until we really kill this virus worldwide, uh, we're still going to be in in its shadow. So. Uh, I'm hoping people will get vaccinated, uh, and and uh, you know you you and I have been vaccinated. It's safe. It doesn't hurt. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's a it's a great feeling to know that 
you're, you're not at risk. Because I, I don't know about you, but I've had some good friends that have, have suffered from COVID. I had one that we you know, was in intensive care for three weeks. We almost lost. So uh, this is no joke. And, and uh, let's hope we're, we're out of the woods or, or close to it. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, a good friend of mine actually uh, died from COVID. He was uh, he was 80 years old, so you can say he may have died because he was getting too old. But the older I get, the younger 80 looks. And and I will tell you that, <laughs> that, that the fact is is that that COVID was bad. It was horrible, and it was nothing to be fooled with. And and it's not that we're talking about this in the past tense. I think we can the more people get vaccinated and uh and it was absolutely uh uh the pain was far less than the reward I'll tell you that of that shot. Yep. Yep. Well, uh listen, let's uh keep working. We got a lot of work to do uh still down here and uh it's a pleasure to uh, to work with you. I look forward to welcome you welcoming you to Maine and uh, uh I look forward to going on that uh uh, highways of the sun at Glacier National Park. That's on my list. Uh, that's one I want to make, and uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll see each other in our respective states. So, John Tester, thank you very much, and thanks for the work that you do. Uh, let's keep it up. Thank you, Senator King, and we will. Thank you. Yes, sir. Stay with us on Inside Maine. We're going to be talking about the coronavirus relief package and what it means for Maine's communities. Uh, in just a minute with uh, one of our leaders uh, in the state of Maine. Be right back. Welcome back to Inside Maine. This is Angus King, and we just finished a conversation with my friend John Tester, the senator from Montana. I should have mentioned he is a real-life farmer. Uh, Probably when you're listening to this broadcast, he is on a tractor in Big Sandy, Montana. Uh, He grows wheat and uh, a bunch of other crops, but he He's a he's a farmer and uh, a, a member of the United States Senate, and as you could tell, I think he's a very special guy. Uh, now we have Kathy Conlow, who is the city manager of the city of Bangor, and uh, they have been in the midst of of this COVID uh, crisis over the past year. And uh, I think the first thing I want to ask Kathy is, how are you doing? How's the house? Uh, are things reopening? And Maine's one of the best states in the country on vaccination. And I've heard it's gone well in Bangor. Bring me up to date. So um, we are starting to see a reopening of um, of our downtown businesses, certainly uh, a larger level of comfort, um, going to restaurants and visiting the places that we love in Bangor. Uh, we were, were fortunate to have that large piece of infrastructure, which is the Cross Insurance Center. Uh, it's been both a blessing and a curse over the last year because um, it has been hemorrhaging money, as you've heard us say, on a number of occasions. And yet we were able to work with Northern Light to stand it up as a mass vaccination clinic. And I, I would argue we've done over 100,000 vaccinations out of that clinic. People were coming from all over the state. And interestingly enough, today is its last day. It'll close at the end of business today, and vaccinations will start over at the Union Street Clinic in Bangor. But it's been wildly successful, and and I think the key to its success, Northern Light put a great team on it. The key to our success here was certainly me getting out of the way and letting my staff do the work, and it, it worked out beautifully. And I would say for Maine and the region, um, it was fantastic. 
Well, that's a, a hundred thousand people. That's a pretty amazing record. And I did hear from friends who went to the center to be vaccinated that it was like clockwork. That it was really well organized and and uh, uh, just w- went off uh, without a hitch. The people were were great on the ground. And so l- l- let's let's turn to the to the money side. So the the cross center is the cross center owned by the city. So the Cross Center is owned by the city, and it's an unusual uh, financing arrangement. We took our casino revenue. So back in 2008, the city um, had a referendum. Um, have a, we have a uh, casino, Hollywood Casino, in downtown Bangor. The revenues from the casino um, pay for the debt service on the Cross Insurance Center. So the council wisely socked that money away to pay debt service and to use it for the Cross Insurance Center. And certainly the double hit for Bangor was <laughs> the casinos weren't, um, they were closed for a good portion of this pandemic. And the Cross Insurance Center, which is a meeting and entertainment venue, was um, shuttered. Many events rescheduled or canceled at this point. Um, you still had to pay the, pay the mortgage and the and the heat and the light. So you, it was what I was talking about with, about with John. You had the expenses. You didn't have the revenues. That's correct. That's correct. And a payroll. So we, we contracted through Spectra Corp out of um, Pennsylvania. They run the facility. They've laid off just about everybody but three people. So there were a number of layoffs that occurred in the facility. That was our, that was our largest impact here in the city, followed by the airport, obviously. But, um, yeah. So... Um, we're really optimistic. I think the money that we're getting through the um, uh, American Rescue Plan, the direct funding we get, we've already drawn down our first $10 million, and a lot of that was attributed to the losses that we had at the Cross Center. Um, so we are fortunate to have it, fortunate to stand it up, and fortunate to have the federal government as a partner in ensuring that we can pay the bills and make that facility work for the benefit of all well, people. As I mentioned to John, if this and and it's all taxpayers' money for sure, but it's coming. This the federal money is coming from all over the country, and and otherwise that ten million you mentioned would have had to go straight to the to the taxpayers of Bangor. Correct. Yep, that's that's right. The eight million dollar losses would have would have hit the mill rate. And as you know, I mean, I think the pandemic has really exacerbated across Maine communities, probably places Montana and other places really exacerbated the um, shift of commercial areas in the state. So online really took off. Right. I didn't do much online before the pandemic, and I did a lot more during the pandemic. And I think that that's driven a shift in property tax values. So it would have really been stuck more largely to the residential property taxpayers. And so we're very grateful well, we get well, to 2024. The, when you talk about the retail and, and the effects on business taxpayers, what about the Bangor Mall? How have they, they, that's, They've got to have been hit hard. So the Bangor Mall has been experiencing a decline, like many, um, I don't know whether the, what they call them, tertiary malls across the country. Um, it's been declining regardless of the pandemic, but I certainly think that the pandemic sped the process up. Um, and so the mall is, you know, it's, it's an issue we're all going to have to grapple with in the near future as to how to repurpose it. But if you saw... Um, we anticipated a loss in, in revenue sharing statewide because of the um, depressed sales, but it, 
the reforecasting from the state shows that those numbers didn't decline. In fact, I think driven by online sales, alcohol sales, and perhaps marijuana, I don't, I don't know how that's calculated in the text, we actually saw um, stable or increasing numbers. So surprising. Well, how about expenditures for uh, uh, other kinds of, like first responders, PPE, that kind of thing? Did you see an increase in that during the, during the pandemic? Absolutely. And so um, our management team met early in the pandemic, and we were able to secure enough PPE early on to um, ensure that we had plenty to carry our operations. And that meant the airport as well as police and fire. So we were very fortunate. We got on that early. We had some smart department heads who said we need that um, and we we took care of that early on, but it was expensive, and we've reinforced all our facilities with plexiglass and and um, sanitation stations. I mean, we've had to do a lot more cleaning. We're looking at upgrades to our HVAC systems. Clearly, how we look at business um, in the city of Bangor and I think across Maine is going to change. Um, there's always going to be these barriers now. I think as we as we move forward. So there are going to be some of these changes that are permanent, but they cause an immediate investment while most of us were still trying to deal with our everyday business. So we had a windstorm, if you remember, last April. Um, a lot of main municipalities experienced significant power outages for long periods of time. So we're still running our emergency response. We're still running all our 24-7 operations and still trying to cope with the effects of the pandemic. Well, and, and, and one of the things about this, this aid package, which is unusual, is that the money came directly to you uh, rather yes. than uh, rooting it through Augusta. Uh, and that was something, there was a, quite a bit of debate about that down here, but there was a bunch of us that said, no, no, we've got to have it, it's got to be earmarked, although I shouldn't use the word earmarked, <laughs> right. uh, it, it's got to be designated to go directly to the communities and the counties uh, uh, otherwise, you know, there, it'll be, it, we're not sure about how it'll be distributed. I don't have any qualms about Governor Mills or, or Augusta, but I do think it's an important principle that this assistant went, assistance went directly to the, to the communities, uh, Bangor, Portland, and uh, Eddington, for that matter. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think as you look around the country, many of the states are organized around public health departments. So many municipalities, um, Portland and Bangor in particular, have health departments. But so many other municipalities were dealing with the health effects directly. State was doing a great job, but they were taking the higher level view. But so many of us were on the ground sort of trying to figure out how to shift our operations. And that created... Most, uh, other than the Cross Insurance Center and the airport, which make Bangor an anomaly, most of us experience proportional um, losses and um, proportional increases in our budget due to the expenditure. So the direct funding really helps us take care of some of those public health issues that we um, had to directly deal with. And we looked at that more regionally. If you look up the Mask, Mask Up For Me campaign that rolled through the city of Bangor, was picked up across the state from some other municipalities and was a great campaign um, funded with federal money um, helping us do that. And without those kinds of funds, we wouldn't have been able to respond like that. Now, one of the things, Kathy, is you've talked to me about filling the uh, revenue gap that you had, and also some of the ongoing expenses for dealing with COVID. 
but you may end up with some of these funds that you can make some investments on behalf of the people of Bangor that will pay off over many years some some infrastructure investments. Is that is that a possibility here? Yes, um, I think. Um Bangor, like many of the main municipalities, we're an older state. We have a lot of aging infrastructure. We have water and sewer lines that are over 150 years old. Um, and we, we're in desperate need of some um, infrastructure, both underground and bridges and roads. And, um, and so the money would be a real asset for that um, for that in particular, I think across, I think it's the one thing that really unites all main municipalities as we look um, to how we use uh, these federal funds, and that is infrastructure, fixing aging infrastructure. Well, that's that's going to be a, a, an ongoing challenge. Now, I, I have to ask you: Are we going to have the concerts on the waterfront this this summer? So. I don't know. Um, we're going to open up with bull riding at the Cross Insurance Center in July, if you're interested. Um, and there I'll are. Let you, I'll let you ride the bull for me. <laughs> I'm uh, going to pass on it too. Uh, you know, politicians, you don't want to talk too much about bull because. <laughs> but go ahead. Um, so so don't, we, we do, don't know about the concerts yet. There's a couple scheduled, um, and so we'll see. They're just starting to get their feet down under them. and uh, So there's a couple scheduled. They've been on the books for some time, and I'm, I don't have a full um, understanding of when and how. I think that's still a question um, that they'll tour at what capacity. Well, so. let me know if Jimmy Buffett comes back, because one of the greatest <laughs> concerts I ever heard was Jimmy Buffett up there a couple of years ago. So, oh. uh, <laughs> I was there, too. Very guy. nice. <laughs> I think everybody in the region was there from what I saw. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think we are going to have a big summer uh, from what I'm hearing, and uh, uh, the, the national parks, I think, are going to have a record year. People just want to get out. And I think that benefits uh, that benefits Maine. You you're going to see people coming through on their way to Acadia and on their way up to Katahdin Woods and Waters and uh, further up uh, down east and into Aroostook. So, um, you know, I think it's uh, if, if indeed we're out of the, we're getting close to being out of the woods, it's going to be a big year. Yes, and now we need employees. <laughs> I, we're yep. expecting a big year, too, but we are struggling in this region. I think that's a national concern uh, with employees, and some of the businesses have not been able to find the workforce they need. Um, and so I think we're, in some cases, looking at reduced hours in um, some of our hospitality industry, uh, both in Bangor and around in the region. So we need employees, and we would really like to see um, – we would really like to see people maybe relocate here and and yep. get to work up well, here at the beautiful you know, spot. One of the, I don't want to shy away from a controversial issue. Uh, down here there's a lot of debate about whether the extended unemployment benefits are, in fact, keeping people at home uh, rather than t uh, taking, taking their old jobs. I suspect there's some of that, uh, but it was interesting. The jobs report last month, there were no growth at all in women in the workforce. Yeah. And uh, you've got to think that that has something to do with the schools not being open and a lack of, of child care. Absolutely. And I think we I think that is exactly what we see for workplaces that aren't as flexible. And certainly the hospitality industry, you can't work from home. You have to go into the place of employment um, where there's no flexibility in location. There's just somebody needs to be home 
schooling the kids or daycare, things like that. And the city of Bangor and a lot of the municipalities have maintained their child care facilities. We did for our first responders throughout the pandemic. We did for first responders, and obviously we have the two hospitals, um, and so we felt it was necessary. But I think if you're in a smaller town, that was really, you know, really hard to hard to find. Um, yep. And it's still hard to find here, but I think people are genuinely afraid. Um, and I think they remain generally concerned. I think the vaccines have certainly alleviated a lot of that, but I think they're still concerned. So I think it's a mixture of reasons why people aren't back. But I certainly think that um, until the schools are open and child cares are fully open, it's going to be hard to get women back in the workforce. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Well, listen, uh, Kathy Conlow, thank you so much, and thanks for the work you've done up there to help uh, help Bangor and the region pull through this. And uh, we're not there yet, but we're certainly going to uh, uh, keep at it. And, and uh, I, you used a key word a while ago. You, you talked about your federal partners, and you don't hear that often, but I think in this case uh, we really did have a good partnership. And uh, I appreciate uh, the work that you've done and, and uh, uh, look forward to uh, seeing you around town this summer. Well, thank you very much, and we do appreciate the work that our delegation has done for us. It does it does make a big difference here in Bangor and um, and beyond. So, thank you very much. Thank you. Hey, All thanks right. for being with us on Inside Maine, and uh, look forward to being with you again shortly. Uh, this is Angus King, and uh, have a great day. <laughs>